spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely their fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. Kuzma loses it, but it goes oh, to Cook wow. underneath his strike. He gets fouled. Karen! It's in and one! They can pull to within one on the pass inside. They tried to help out. He's wide open. He says, give it to me. That's where you got to just wrap him up. I mean, come on. This <laughs> team is... <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where what's hotter than the return of Popeye's chicken sandwich right now? That's right. You've got it. The Idaho Stampede. No, I'm just kidding. It's the Lakers. The Lakers are the hottest thing in November. People killing each other for Popeye's chicken sandwiches aside. And do you know why they're the hottest thing in November? Because they may just be elite unnecessarily dramatic but elite nonetheless and you know who else is unnecessarily dramatic and elite my co-host tommy alexander tommy how are you doing we've got a great team nay possibly elite team how does that make you feel makes me feel pretty litty jonathan thank you for asking show me the liddies <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the Lakers, I mean, you guys know the context and exposition at this point. The Lakers came down from behind 19 points in the third quarter to beat the Chicago Bulls on the road, 118-112. That is their sixth straight win, third straight win on the road. In this road trip, they've overcome two 15-plus point deficits in the second half. They are now 6-1, and one, the number one record in the NBA, the number one team in the NBA. Um, they have faced the ninth toughest schedule. LeBron James has recorded three straight trip dubs, leading the league in assists, and Anthony Davis is currently leading the league in blocks and is coming off of winning Western Conference Player of the Week, and Dwight Howard is my most favorite Laker ever. What's going on? I don't know. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Tommy, why don't you give me your like one-minute description of what you felt watching that game as it unfolded obviously the first half was terrible uh everyone outside of lebron james uh i don't know if they had that chicago nightlife thing going on the night before but they were playing like a bunch of bozos and then we had that bench unit that lebron james list anthony davis list bench unit that frank vogel put out there it was one of those sink or swim moments where frank was like let's see what you guys can do if you can't do anything we're going to close close up shop uh but what were your thoughts i mean I, yeah how did you feel just watching that game a roller coaster sort of game more so than we've even seen the first 
six games prior when the Lakers have done this thing where it's like first half they're they're asleep, second half turn it on, third quarter crank it up and let's let's win the day. Well, so I actually thought it was a little bit different than those. I think good teams historically play like how we did, you know, before this Bulls game, like the previous few games, I guess. Like it's not it's not the case that you know, over an 82 game season, you're going to be beating every team, even the bad teams, you know, by 20 points, wire to wire. Uh, It's the NBA teams going runs, et cetera, et cetera. If anything, the best teams, I feel like manage the games in the first half and then assert themselves in the third quarter. But this Bulls game was like another, you know, variation of what good teams do, which is sometimes, um, you know, they fall asleep. And I think that's what happened here. It was that, my initial reactions were, okay, this is the end of a three-game road trip early in the season. After this game, everybody here, you know, they've been flying all over the country or whatever. After this game, they all know that they will be getting on a plane, going back home, you know, and then they'll have, they won't have their next game until Friday. So, you know, probably they had um, practice off today and all, and all these things. So all these things are in their minds and they're playing a bulls team that part of them probably felt like they might be able to roll over a little bit because they're a bunch of young guys, you know, variety of factors. It just felt like, okay, this is going to be one of those let down. Like they just fell asleep and didn't really try. And you can't expect them to try every single night, hundred percent over an 82 game mm-hmm. season. It's just not possible. That's, that's kind of how I viewed this game starting, but it took a very quick turn and there and I say quick because yeah, there was like a mini run at the end of the third, but there was already a mini there was also a mini run like in the beginning of the third and and then the Bulls continued to build it back up. So it, it never really felt like even with that little burst at the end of the third, um, which was capped by like somebody on the Bulls hitting a three, so like it went the lead went back up to thirteen by the end mm-hmm. of the third. It didn't really feel like it was going to go anywhere. And then when they went with the LeBron AD lineup to start the fourth, I was like, all right, I guess they're just trying to see if anybody can spark any energy. You mean the one without the LeBron, LeBron AD list? Sorry, before you go on, let me actually, I have a sequence breakdown of what happened and what you're about to describe. So you ready for this? Yeah. Kuzma gets the and one banker. Uh, he misses the free throw. Dwight crashes the glass for the offensive rebound and jams it down. On the other end, Dwight gets switched onto Kobe White on the perimeter. Kobe drives it into the paint. Dwight shadow steps along with him till Kobe tries to lay it up, only for Dwight to swat it into the stands. The Bulls re-inbound that possession. They miss the next shot, which was a Kobe White three-point shot. Caruso gets the board. Kuz leaks out. He passes it to a streaking Kuz. Kuz looks to pass it to Quinn Cook on the baseline, but the ball slips. Cook retrieves it anyways. Then Cook fires a pass down to Dwight in the paint and one layup. Then Dwight misses the free throw, but Troy Daniels comes in to muck things up and gets the ball to go off one of the Bulls players. Uh, The Lakers bench then celebrates like a bunch of maniacs for the hustle play of Troy Daniels, who couldn't get a shot to go down, but was trying hard anyways. And then the Lakers inbound the ball and Quinn Cook gets an and one three on the baseline. So before this flurry, the Lakers were down by eight points. They ended this insane sequence up by one. And this all happened in the span of like a minute, a minute game time. <laughs> yeah, like a minute game time. So yeah. all of this entire sequence, this is the type of stuff that you'd find in a post full game recap highlight video, right? But typically that would span 30 minutes through quarters. 
this one happened in one minute of game time. So it was just insane. So why don't you go ahead and explain what you were feeling as that transpired? <laughs> yeah, so the, exactly. So the first quarter, uh, fourth quarter starts and you're trying to see what's going to happen. And then it just becomes an explosion of defense and points. Okay. And, it, and it, it, what I was feeling, I don't know how to describe it. We haven't had, <laughs> I mean, look. In an eighty, like I said, eighty-two game season, we've seen the last six years all eighty-two games each year, despite how bad they've been. Um, maybe once or twice a year, our young guys would come through with something like this, where we'd be down by a lot and then and then win. Usually, we were on the other side, right? Like usually, we were the Bulls, where yeah. we would we would be winning for at like halftime. And then even like be staying competitive in the third quarter, and then we would go through like a ten minute stretch where we couldn't score because our we weren't good, <laughs> you know. And then and then the other team would just destroy us, and that's kind of what happened here. Um, that bench unit, and and I have to give some credit to Frank Vogel. Not some. Mm-hmm. I mean, he should get a lot. I I, I just like, like to temper, you know, um, uh, praise. I guess for a little until we see a bigger sample. I don't want to say this is all Frank Vogel, but there are some things he's doing in these with these in-game adjustments that are having like very tangible and obvious immediate effects on the performance of the team. He knows Kyle Kuzma, despite the slow start in the first two games, is going to be a critical player on our team. Kuzma came in in the first half and had one of the worst stretches. I mean, he was, dude, I'm not talking about like Kuzma's career. I'm talking about like any player I've ever seen. (laughs) I'm not kidding you, dude. That's that's fair. It It was so remarkably bad. I mean, it was like horrendous turnovers, like (laughs) horrendous getting beat on defense. Like not, not multiple times, but he did get beat on defense like once or twice and fouled and, had some bad plays in that sense, just breaking open shots, just like really, really bad. You had the Marcelo Huertas uh, clown music going on. <laughs> yeah. Like, and it's seriously like Go on ahead. consecutive plays. He was just, he was just like turning it over. So it was really, really, really bad. And he did all of this damage in like a four or five minute stretch. And even Vogel in the first half had to give him the yank pretty quickly. Um, despite that, he still, stuck with him in the second in the second half he he was like i'm gonna put him back in you know we have not been able to reliably score this guy's a scorer let's see what he can do and kuzma proceeded to score like 13 of his 15 points in that like beginning stretch of the fourth um so you know just really exciting game really nice to see that these guys are Although I keep have said about five times that like over an 82 game season, you're going to have letdown games where like people just don't try. Despite me thinking that it doesn't seem like any of them view that as acceptable. Right. Because LeBron, I mean, first of all, props to LeBron, because beyond the triple double, the only reason we were even within 20 points on this game was because he had like an amazing first half and he was like trying to carry us down the stretch in the third when AD had to sit with foul trouble and, you could see him huffing and puffing, but he was trying his best to keep it close. For sure. Um, and and then the rest of the guys just took over from there. Dwight Howard, one of the best defensive players in the NBA, which is so absurd to say. Legitimately. But he is. And, and like that lineup with him, Kuzma, and then essentially three guards just shut down everything the Bulls were trying to do. They were playing with energy. They were making open shots. 
frankly, they weren't doing anything that exceptional. They were just playing the right way and doing what we sh- as a team should have been doing the, the whole game. Um, right. But it was it was really nice to watch. I think Pete had some tweets to this effect, but although you don't necessarily want to see a team fall into the habit of like, you know, getting down early and, and, and having comebacks, um, it is nice and good long-term in a way for their confidence that they know they can do it. Um, because mm-hmm. over a season, like, you know, teams are going to come in with different energy levels every single game. And, there might be a game where we play the Denver Nuggets who are going to be like one of the top teams in the West and they just come out guns blazing because they're playing Anthony Davis and LeBron and get out to a big lead. But the more we start to do what we did against the Bulls, the more we're going to start to prove to ourselves that it doesn't matter who the opponent is. Like We can take a first hit from anybody and we'll still be there because we know that our core principles are so sound that once we start executing um, and really locking in, we will be able to just, you know, take teams completely out of what they want to do. And I think that's what we saw last night. Right. Last night was the prime definition of snatching victory from the jaws of defeat. We definitely should have lost that game. In fact, I'm hoping Frank Vogel counts it as a loss so that we can regroup from there and have a little bit more, be a little bit more motivated in Friday's game when when we come back home. But Alan and I talked about this too when we were assessing the semi-soft early schedule the Lakers have where this is a prime example of faking it till you make it, you know, where you know that you have some kinks to work out, but if you can sort of just eke things out for a quarter or two, which is what they've been doing in the third quarter into the fourth, and just exert your dominance like the Lakers have been and put the clamps down and bring out their suffocating defense, you may end up with a record like 6-1 even though... One, you're not shooting well from three-point land, even though you have guys coming in and out, like Avery Bradley's out, Rajon Rondo hasn't even entered yet, Kuzma just came back, um, Quinn Cook has been in and out of the lineup getting five minutes one game, and then last night, like, 25 minutes, uh, JaVale McGee not playing well at all, Anthony Davis not really shooting a great percentage from the field. You can have all of these problems still going on, but you look at your record and you're 6-1, and one and you believe that you're an elite team to the point where... By the time you're actually facing tougher competition, it doesn't matter anymore. You already believe that you're an elite team. And with that belief, you've also worked out some of the kinks uh, schematically. And so it's just really good that the Lakers have taken advantage of this opportunity. And I want to say it's not like this, this schedule has been that easy. You know, I mean, the Dallas Mavericks are much better than we expected. The Spurs, maybe not as good as we had expected, but the Charlotte Hornets are not as bad as we expected. But yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I I think somebody posted that so far, given opponent records, we've had the fifth strongest strength of schedule so far. You know, it's like there, you know, it's funny when the haters come out, right? Because it's like you can frame anything as like not not that hard of a win. You know what I mean? If you really want to. Um, But the numbers speak for itself. There's a lot of bad teams in the NBA. Okay, or at least bad compared to us and like the Clippers and like the Nuggets and the Bucks and Sixers, the teams that are going to be among the top teams in the in the NBA, comparatively to like these top five teams, every single year there's a lot of bad teams. So it, it's like under you know people can speak in generality and say oh they haven't beaten anyone you know poor start. The record speaks for itself. Our based on our opponents' records right now, our strength of schedule is fifth in the league. 
So, you know, we've done actually an exceptional job, in my opinion, given that um, we're second in defensive rating after, you know, seven games. We, uh, we're, we're, and we're getting pretty close to 10% of the season gone. So, like, that's, that's not an insignificant stat. We're 14th in offensive rating and rising. So, I, you know, you say, uh, you know, we'll fake it till we make it. it we might already be an elite team. I think we're going to yeah. get even better than we are. But I think if the season ended today and we just went in with the numbers we have right now, it's like, this is like even good enough. And, and this is not, you know, an anomaly where we theoretically we should be better than this even. Yeah. I, I said it on Twitter. We have a team of Rajon Rondos right now from the perimeter and we're winning. We're six and one. And yeah, it, it's just crazy. It's insane. Uh, it's a foreign feeling to have a team that's getting the job done and doing what they're supposed to do. Uh, and it's overall just refreshing. Uh, before we continue to talk about this game, uh, just really wanted to plug ourselves real quick. As usual, please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and review us on iTunes because the more you rate and review us, that's how many more on-air color commentary segments we're going to get from Snoop Dogg this season because that segment that he did in the Spurs game was uh, simply magnificent. Did you catch Snoop Dogg's color commentary? Tommy? I did. The uh, walk in the park that's what we call a cake mix. Yeah, uh, I did. It was incredible. So please rate interview us for more of that because I got the rolling on my arm and I'm pouring Shandong and I got the best week because I got it going on. No! <laughs> oh, also, we are at 370 iTunes ratings and reviews. So let's go for 400, baby, before 2019 ends. Thank you for those who have been pouring that on. Please continue to do so. For the purposes of this episode and for the sake of keeping things moving along, uh, we will save the nightly review reading for another episode. Also because Tommy can't do it because he's driving and he might fall off a cliff or something if he does try and read an iTunes review tonight. In any case, please continue to rate and review and we will make sure to catch up on all of those readings. Also, if you'd like to help us out financially in any small way and catch an early listen to our wing options on the trade and buyout market episode that's available to all of our LLP patrons right now, please go to patreon.com slash the Lakers legacy podcast and donate a buck or two. Uh, we are brought to you by lineups.com. Check them out for all of your betting tips needs. Uh, Tommy, I'm starting a new segment. We'll see how popular or unpopular it is. It's called what should we name this episode where I go on Twitter and ask people, you guys know how stupidly punny I am. Why don't you give us your suggestions of what we should name this episode? Uh, so I've got two suggestions today. Uh, they're both Actually, pretty similar. Uh, Jeannie Kim, shout out to Jeannie, Pete's girlfriend. She said, I'm not good at this stuff, but something with Washed King. And then at Lake Show, Sean Davis said, how about The Washed King and I? You know, like that play slash musical, The King and I. Yeah, so I like, I love those two options. I actually had an episode titled last year. I titled one of our episodes, The King and B.I., which I thought was pretty oh, clever cool. because, you know, B.I. being that second second in command potentially. Uh, so definitely right up my alley. But I tend to like to stray away from recycling title names or keeping it too similar. So with that said, even though I got some great suggestions, Tommy, tonight's episode will be titled Streak King. Get it? Because the Lakers are streaking. And LeBron James is the street king when it comes to triple doubles. Three in a row. All right. With that said, I'm going to take it to break. Pitch it to our sponsors. Say, Dwight Howard was caught streaking in downtown Chicago after the game. 
uh, that may apply too. <laughs> so <laughs> never know. Uh, with that said, I'm going to pitch it to our sponsors. And when we return, we'll talk more about this game and maybe talk about some individual players. All right, we are back. That Bulls game, it was the worst game to watch. It was the best game to watch. LeBron dragged the team on his back till they could make a stand, and boy, did they make a stand. Um, after allowing the Bulls to score 65 in the first half, the Lakers held the Bulls to 47 in the second, only 19 points in the fourth. They scored 38 points themselves. And at one point, they went on a 14-0 run and then like a 21-5 run. Uh, Kobe White had 15 to 17 points in the first half and only ended up with 18 points by the end of it. There was no Avery Bradley. I know people are going to laugh at this, but no Rajon Rondo yet. The Lakers shot like shit from three once again, yet they still won on the road. And one thing to remember, no matter how poor these teams are, we are still always going to get the best versions of them coming out against us because every team is always going to give the Lakers their best shot and that's what we've been seeing and yet we still managed to pull through um I got some quick team stats that you were sort of hitting on earlier after last night's game the Lakers lead the league in blocks with 8.4 a game Anthony Davis being number one in that category and I think Dwight Howard is either fifth or sixth They are tied for fifth in steals with nine a game, but that doesn't even count all the deflections and strips that the Lakers have been um, getting. It doesn't count the forced turnovers. In other other words, the strips that go off somebody's leg and then it's our ball. Right, it goes out of bounds, which Dwight Howard gets a lot of. Uh, The Lakers are fifth in the league in field goal percentage at 47%, and this is with no threes being hit, and Anthony Davis, I believe, shooting below 50% on the year. So there's room for improvement there. They're 25th in the league in three-point percentage at 31.7%, so positive regression coming, and we saw it from Quinn Cook last night. Uh, They are 13th in free throw percentage with 76.5%, with a 76.5% rate being hit there. It's pretty good, especially if you consider that last year they were 29th, hitting only 69.9%. Right. So it's great. Advanced stat-wise, the Lakers are second in net rating overall behind only the Bucks. They are second in plus-minus. They are second in defensive rating, like you said, only 0.3 points behind the Utah Jazz. They moved up a little in offensive rating to 14th, and they are fifth in points in the paint. Memphis is number one randomly in that category. Wow. Also, three of the top 11 players in individual defensive rating are Lakers. That will be Dwight Howard at number two. Anthony Davis at number four, and LeBron James, the washed king, at number nine. Um, LeBron James! LeBron James! And this doesn't include how good Kyle Kuzma has been since his return, posting really solid defensive rating numbers for himself as well. So with all that said, Tommy, how does it feel to... I know I just threw out a bunch of stats, but I kind of wanted to talk about a more intangible topic of just these guys... um, buying in the the resiliency that this team seems to have really early on the built-in accountability kind of internally and externally because we've seen the accountability that frank vogel has had just yanking guys if they make mistakes you know he doesn't really at least so far it doesn't seem like the the politics have been too strong we'll see how long that lasts when rajon rondo's in but JaVale McGee has gotten like 10 to 15 minutes the last few games because he hasn't been playing well uh quinn cook has gotten yanked for missing defensive assignments or even just turning the ball over. Some may say KCP seems impenetrable, but at the same time, we have experienced some injuries, and KCP at the very least still plays defense when he's out there. Um, But yeah, what are your thoughts on just having a team that 
has bought in this early and I guess just how joyful it feels. Doesn't it feel like a joyful team? Uh, they're fighting for each other. They're cheering for each other. The guys on the bench, it doesn't matter who's in the game, who has to sacrifice minutes one night. JaVale McGee is cheering as hard for Dwight Howard as Dwight Howard is for JaVale McGee when the, the roles are switched, you know? And it's and- you saw that play, sorry, you saw that play uh, last night when Quinn Cook, you know, dumped it down to Dwight Howard for the and one. And Quinn Cook, like, punched the air as if he had just won the championship. You know, so yeah, what are your thoughts on just being able to root for a team like this? Obviously, caveat it with honeymoon phase. We're going to experience some adversity probably as soon as when we get back home. And maybe we'll have, believe it or not, we could have a two game loss streak coming in the future. But for now, what are your thoughts on the buy in by all these guys? Um, The buy in is great, and the team chemistry seems amazing. this is a mark, again, of a really, really good team. When the chemistry is this high this early in the season, obviously winning helps that a lot. And so, you know, at some point over an 82-game season, you will go through a losing stretch. Um, hopefully it's not hopefully it's not more than, uh, like, you know, three games or something. But at some point, you will go through a losing stretch. And so you want to make sure the morale stays high at that point, too. Um, but anyway, it, it, it it's very high now. And it's funny because, like, this is what the Warriors were praised for so much for, you know, the last five, six years. When Steve Kerr first got there and they were, you know, had their surprise, I guess you could call it, season where they ended up as the number one seed. Um, they, uh, there were all these articles that were coming out on ESPN that were like, the Warriors and the joy of basketball. You know, <laughs> and it's like, and everybody like who was a new Warriors fan was like, you know, just like thought they were part of this new like Silicon Valley movement or something of like, there's just, there's just so much joy and, and there's so much, uh, uh, positivity and passion and look at, look at how they're playing and they're doing, you know, they're playing free selfless and yeah, the most selfless super, but it's like, no dude, these narratives are typically of like the best teams always have these narratives and, and that's a key to winning. It, it's small things. You, you saw signs with us that if I wanted to paint like a really silly narrative about how this season is going, I could do. But it's like, you know, uh, preseason, right, we get AD or not even sorry, not preseason before the season even starts. We get AD. LeBron is already talking pub- very publicly about how he's going to give up number 23 so AD can keep it. You know, and that's like a minor thing that's like for a lot of people probably not a big deal. And frankly, it probably was not a big deal because those two guys already do respect each other. But if I wanted to paint like a narrative picture about, you know, the great team chemistry, I, may, I might start there, you know, and sure. and everybody else buying in when it starts at the top with you have Anthony Davis coming in saying, I'm going to be challenging everybody. Um, like I have my own personal goals. I want to win a championship, et cetera, et cetera. But for me, the, I view my biggest role in this team is challenging everybody and holding everybody accountable for their defensive efforts. And then you have LeBron James coming in, you know, 17th year in the league in the best shape of his life. It feels like, you know, playing like a, you know, he's 35 or whatever, but he's playing like he, he's 29, 28, you know? So when you have that at the top and you're arguably best player on the team wants to pass first i think it's really easy to build that kind of chemistry i think this is why those Cavs teams were always and even those heat teams were always like so annoying and it felt like they were always playing better than they should have given what they were on paper because their chemistry was so good because 
again, it starts with the top guys and, and, and goes down. And I just think at the top, our leadership is so good. You mentioned Vogel, too. I think Vogel has done a phenomenal job with that kind of thing. JaVale has uh, the tenure advantage. He has the familiarity advantage. He has, you know, the I've been in the NBA the last couple of years advantage over Dwight. Um, despite that, Vogel has been like rewarding Dwight's play. Dwight is on the non-guaranteed contract. He was not guaranteed any minutes. He wasn't even guaranteed a starting spot, um, which he's had his entire career. Uh, the first few games, I think against the Clippers, he had played like 13 minutes or something. You know, he had stretches in the preseason where he, he wasn't playing. Um, but as he's performed and produced results, Vogel stuck with him. Um, you mentioned Quinn Cook. Other examples of, of him sticking to that, I see no reason why that's not going to continue when Rondo comes back. But I just think the chemistry is is set by those leaders at the top of the roster. And when those guys buy in... You know, and you have guys like Dwight Howard, who is like a 12 or no, more than 12, like 13 ish year veteran, 14, maybe. I don't mm-hmm. know. Um, signing a non guaranteed contract, which, by the way, leaving guaranteed money on the table like he had guaranteed money from Memphis and he could have sat there and, you know, enjoyed his life and gotten his full five million without doing anything on a team mm-hmm. that's not going to be contending. Um, he took less than that. And sure, now it seems like he's going to get, he's going to make himself whole again, but he took less than what he was owed to accept a buyout from Memphis to sign this completely non-guaranteed until January deal, which is like no 14-year-old, 14-year uh, veteran who has the resume Dwight has, has in our lifetimes ever done something like this. Yeah. Um, that is another way you kind of set the tone for everybody. So once these people start doing this, it's like, Kuz is like, okay, well, I got to raise my game. You know, Troy Daniels is like, okay, well, I can't be complaining if I don't get minutes. KCP, you know, Rondo, when he comes back, Danny Green, like none of these, everybody I think accepts themselves and they've really bought into this idea of being a star in their role. Um, right. And, and, no, that's you a- know, Vogel said it a bunch of times, but I think we're seeing it. No, that's a great point. And it, it seems like, you know, we say this every year where it's like we put a bunch of guys together who have a lot to prove and great things can happen. And that is the case this year. But as opposed to last year, these are guys who can actually still play, you know, right. <laughs> I know that's right. such a simple thing, but it is. That's the difference. And with Dwight Howard, man, I don't know about you, but I get such a cathartic release whenever he has his cathartic releases, when he bops yeah. up into the stance. And you can just tell he's getting so much off of his chest, you know? And for me, it's like super freeing to see him feel that way. And he's been such, I mean, it's not hyperbole. He has been a, he's changed the dynamic of every game he's entered. Right. The moment he steps on the court. And you mentioned Anthony Davis Dude, this guy's busting his ass and diving for loose balls recklessly. Obviously, we don't like it when he does that, but considering he's your superstar and the future of your franchise, what excuse do you have if you're not busting your ass? You know, it's not about whether you have a seven foot six wingspan or seven foot four wingspan like Anthony Davis does. He's still going out there and sacrificing his body. You do what you can in your little six three body that is not as sturdily built as his and we saw that from Quinn Cook who Frank Vogel has all of a sudden made look like Steph Curry on team defense you know he had that one play where he switched on to four different guys and eventually got a strip 
slash block on Wendell Carter and started the break the other way, you know? So it's it's that collective buy-in that we're seeing that is so infectious, right? I think that's the word. It's trickling down everywhere. And for the Lakers, it's like everything is sort of lining up with all of these different guys who have something to prove, but in different ways and within the structure of their role, which is I think is the most important part. And when you have LeBron James at the top who has something to prove as an elite player still wanting to retain that moniker of being the league's best, the best NBA player in the world. And then Anthony Davis proving that he's the, he's the heir apparent for this franchise and even saying, I'm I'm still the best on this team as well. Um, this is kind of what you're going to get, this sort of flash in the pan moment that I hope the Lakers do not lose grip of as they continue on in this journey. It's only been seven games and obviously we're super lit, we're super hyped, but for good reason because you can sort of sense that emanating from each of the players as they step onto the court. And you see the way that they fight for each other, how how much they're cheering for each other. It's very reminiscent of 2007, 2008, and how tightly knit that bench group was. Coming up with silly... The bench mob. Coming up with silly little celebrations before a basket's even scored. In this case, in this year's case, the team has secret handshakes with LeBron James, all very unique in its form. So... It's just been a lot of fun to watch. It's been there's been a lot of joy, super lit. Uh rapid fire as we close this episode out. We already talked about Dwight Howard. He once again just changed the entire dynamic of this game. Uh defensively, offensively, the way he's been able to stick with guards on the perimeter has been phenomenal. He moves his feet so well. It's it's insane. Yeah. Before Dwight Howard, dude, I just want to talk about LeBron James again, just because he's on this point god mission right now. Uh, He's on a rampage, three straight triple doubles, uh, the crazy passes he's been throwing in the Dallas game, in the San Antonio game, uh, the ones in Chicago where he threw no-look whip passes to Quinn Cook on the baseline, had a really nice alley-oop to Anthony Davis to punctuate the game. LeBron James is on one, and it's such it's so much fun to watch. Uh, just your quick thoughts on LeBron James's Reclaim the Throne tour here and him just qu- literally quarterbacking the Lakers because he's thrown some outlet passes that have hit guys right in the pocket in their chest, and all they're doing is laying it in. Yeah, I mean, he looks incredible. Um, at various points, uh, you know, in this early season or in preseason, I, I think both of us mentioned that we think it's very, very possible that as a 17, you know, as a 17th year, 17th year player who has had like this long history of being a great pass first guy and who um, is on like top 10 all time in NBA and assists, you know, is this still could be a season high for him. Um, or sorry, career high in terms of assists. He hasn't averaged 10 assists yet. His highest is 9.1. So he will far surpass that if he continues this. (laughs) Yeah, which is just crazy, right? So he's he's just doing a a phenomenal, phenomenal job. And um, I don't know. I don't know what to say about it. He caught a lot of flack. I mean, yeah, exactly. That's one big one, right? He caught a lot of flack last year for his defense. Although if you paid attention to the team... You probably, you know, and you pay attention to like, you know, Cranjus or any of the guys who are doing advanced stats on Twitter, you would have seen that like he's that he actually was not that bad defensively. There were like the, you know, 
I don't know if you want to call them funny, but like the clips of him on like the big, they went viral on the internet of like who's pushing him to go out mm-hmm. to his rotation and all that stuff. And yeah, like he could have stepped up, but he was still an above average defender overall for the season. Um, he's not above average right now. He's elite. I mean, he's top 10 in the league. You're going to strong all, you know, defensive team um, consideration for him this year. And I think a lot of it goes back to he took last season very seriously, and I think more seriously than a lot of the media and 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 those types of people would give him credit um, credit for. He played the least game, amount of games of his career. His team didn't go to the playoffs for you know the first time since his rookie season. He had to deal with a lot of those things, and then. On the other hand, he's like always been since he was like 20, you know, like a tapped in superstar. Like he is like Kevin Durant in a way, in the sense that like neither of these guys are ashamed to admit that they are like actively involved in social media and like mm-hmm. read and see things. Um, he saw what everybody was saying about him. He saw early in the season and in the preseason, especially after the Clippers game, for God's sake, all everybody talking about how he's washed and. He doesn't have the same explosiveness. I'm like, yeah, the Lakers have Anthony Davis, but LeBron's not a top player anymore, so it doesn't matter. And, you know, all this stuff. And he's come out with something to prove. And it's crazy because he's doing all of this, like, while scoring 30 points a game. Mm -hmm. And part of me feels like if he wanted to, he could be scoring, like, 45 points a game right now. I mean, he's been that physically dominant. (laughs) And, like, his old speed and explosiveness is back. It's just, like on so many levels, so impressive and uh, joyful to watch. Yeah, point guard LeBron James. Uh, really quickly, Anthony Davis is still rounding into form with his shot, obviously. He only shot 6 for 15 yesterday, probably his worst game as a Laker, and yet still had three blocks where he was erasing shots as usual during that one of those runs in the third quarter, specifically that block on Larry Markkinen. The one thing that I've loved about Anthony Davis is it's not just that he has this freakish wingspan, but the timing of how he blocks these shots is incredible to the point where he's not getting fouls called against him because it's so clean. You know, it's undebatable because he has such good timing on these blocked shots. Um, Look, man, this guy still has room for improvement, and that's crazy to think given that he just won Western Conference uh, Player of the Week. And uh, he's just going to continue to follow LeBron James' stead. And as his jump shot falls into place, as his three-point shot begins to go down, it's going to get... It's going to get even scarier than what we've been seeing um, thus far. So Anthony Davis, I have no problems. Uh, He'll shake off the cobwebs. I'm sure he was pressing a little being in his hometown. People... uh, putting under a microscope his recent comments about Chicago being a place he may consider in free agency. I'm sure all those things were swirling around in his head. Uh, But nonetheless, good job, Anthony Davis. Great job. Uh, Caruso, Caruso's defense, man. That that dude cannot hit a shot (laughs) to save his life. He can't. Kind of like Troy Daniels, but his defense has been incredible. Whatever Dwight Howard's been doing on the defensive end at the center position, Caruso's been doing at the guard position. And can you imagine if Avery Bradley had the height and size that Caruso had? It'd be insane. So props to Caruso. He had that game-changing pick six uh, into the uh, and-one layup where LeBron James almost murdered him with the body slam. But uh, that was an amazing play. Uh, Quinn Cook... Had the second best plus minus last night. Man, I have to tell you, I I ate crow really quickly on my Quinn Cook predictions, but it's nice to see that Quinn Cook is a guy 
And this kind of shows his veteran presence, right? He said it himself. Look, I just got to get myself ready and know when my number's called that I need to be in a position where I can hit shots and do my job. And last night, his number was called and Quinn Cook stepped up in a big way. 17 points, two assists, some really big assists, the one to Dwight Howard, and hit some really pivotal three-point shots that really took the momentum over for us in a positive direction. So props to Quinn Cook. Those are the types of guys that you want on this team. Quinn Cook is the same as Jared Dudley, where they could they could be only playing five minutes for three straight games, and then their number's called in the fourth game. They play 25 minutes, and they're a meaningful contributor, right? This team is made up of a bunch of those types of guys, and it only works because they know their roles, and they know that when their number's called, they're not going to complain, and they'll be ready when it comes time. Uh, lastly, very glad that Kuzma rounded into form. You can see how this dude is just so good at filling empty space. And as opposed to other guys, Kuzma just has the length and obviously the finesse and scoring touch to be able to get his shot off uh, anywhere on the court, which is why he is so assertive and aggressive in finding that open space and getting himself open. But overall, you're just seeing the strides and the resiliency that Kuzma had after starting off that first half with one of the worst first halves, like you said, of any NBA player that you've ever seen play on the court was very commendable on his part. So uh, with that said, any last words on Kuzma or anything like that? I'm excited to see Kuzma's continued development over the course of the season. Um, It was a really, really good, although we have not seen his outside shot fall yet. I think he's shooting like 10%. I think he's like two for 20 or something this season from three. Yep. I am still excited. I'm very, very encouraged by the fact that his his like entire arsenal of weird, quirky shots that he does was like on display. Because if he can continue to do those types of like, you know, this is a six nine guy who's running at you with the ball, like shooting off the wrong foot, off the glass, off the dribble, like those shots are really, really, really hard to defend. And those are the types of shots where even if your outside shot isn't falling, you can kind of count on them on a nightly basis. So I think that's a really encouraging sign for Kuzma. And I just think if he can get the outside shot to start going, he is going to be a serious, serious problem for people. And uh, I'm excited to see where that goes. But that's all I have to say about that. Yeah, he had a couple of shots on the perimeter where he took like Thaddeus Young off the dribble straight into the paint. And Kuzma just glides, dude. He just glides on the court sometimes. And it's super, super pretty to watch. But his most impressive bucket was the curl at the top of the free throw line where LeBron James passed it to him. And he took one dribble, I think, but he stopped on a dime for that pull-up jump shot. And in previous years, whenever Kuzma would take that mid-range jump shot, his body would sort of be flailing everywhere. But on that one shot... super balanced. He was super balanced, and it was so encouraging to see. If Kuzma has that pull-up jump shot in his game from the mid-range, it's, it's over. And Yeah, exactly. And two things on that. I think the first one is, one thing that you could say this team has been lacking, just although we're 6-1 and one and like have you know one of the best teams in the league statistically so far, one very clear argument you could make for a thing that this team was lacking was that kind of like youth explosive energy we have a lot of veterans and they're not unathletic. And we, I'm frankly, I mean, obviously Anthony Davis is like one of the most athletic players in the entire NBA as is LeBron, but there's a different kind of youth explosive energy in those young legs that you kind of need on a, on a good team. We had a little bit of it with Caruso. Kuzma's going to bring a lot of that. Mm-hmm. I mean, this dude looks so bouncy. I mean, he seems to be like in the best shape of his life. I've never seen him this slim in his, you know, the previous two years 
he looks to be in great shape and he looks like he's ready to just run marathons all day. So yeah. I think that's going to be huge. And second thing on, on that shot specifically was, and Pete pointed this out on Twitter, but again, great, great game planning by Vogel to put Kuz in those sort of stagger, uh, uh, stagger sets where he's coming around as like the guy to catch the pass because mm-hmm. once he catches that pass, he could take that balance jumper that we saw, which was great, a great sign. Or he could take it off the dribble and take it straight to the rim. So, extremely versatile player, and and I think we should be excited about what he can bring. Exactly. All right, with that said, with everybody super lit, we're going to end it right there. Thank you guys for listening. Please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and review us on iTunes because the more you rate and review us on iTunes, that's how many Popeye's chicken sandwiches we'll send your way without killing anybody. Tommy, have you actually had a taste of this Popeye's chicken sandwich yet? I have not. Me neither, dude. We got to get ourselves some. Maybe they should start using that as the promotion at Staples Center. We shall see. All right, with that said, we will catch you guys next time. Tommy? Peace. Mike Rowe here with a few thoughts on my favorite sweatshirt, a classic zip-up hoodie that used to be navy blue but has since faded to what the fashionistas call a distressed indigo. It's 13 years old, soft as a flannel bathrobe, and after a few hundred dirty jobs, demonstrably and undeniably indestructible. This is the kind of sweatshirt girlfriends like to permanently borrow, but I've held on to this one because I got it from American Giant. American Giant makes all their stuff right here in the USA so they can control every link in their own supply chain. That matters because when you buy American Giant, you not only get great quality, you create jobs for people in factory towns all over the country. No pressure, but if you give a damn about the business of making things in America, you got to support the companies who are doing it right. Go to American-Giant.com slash Mike to get 20% off your first order. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.